Book Two, Chapter Sixteen of Amadis of Gaul. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Amadis of Gaul by Vasco de la Biera, translated by Robert Southey. Book Two, Chapter Sixteen. How Beltenebros went to Miraflores and abode there with his lady Oriana after the conquest of the sword and garland and how he went from thence to the battle which had been appointed with king sildadan and of what there befell three days beltenebros remained at miraflores on the fourth he departed alone at midnight he had told enil to meet him at the castle of an old knight called abradon which was by the place of battle and there on the next day he found him the old knight received him well, for he always hospitably welcomed all errant knights. Presently two squires arrived, the nephews of the host, and said that King Sildadon was landed, and had pitched his tents upon the seashore, and his knights with him, and they were landing their horses and arms. Grumadon and Giontes had been to them on the part of King Lisuarte, and made truce till the day of battle and also concluded that neither party should bring out more than the hundred knights appointed. Nephews, said the host, what think you of those enemies whom God confound? Good uncle, said they, we must not speak of them. They are so strong and terrible, that unless God miraculously assist our king, he and his power will be nothing against them. Herewithal the tears fell from the old man's eyes who cried o lord do not forsake the best and justest king in the world good mine host quoth beltenebros be not dismayed for their fierceness for worth and modesty often overcome proud valour i pray you go to the king for me and tell him that there is in your house a knight called beltenebros who requests to know the day of battle that he may be there how sir cried old abradon are you he who sent don quadragante to the king my master and who slew famongomadon and his son now am i overpaid for all the services that ever i have rendered to errant knights so taking his nephews to guide him he went to king lisuarte who was arrived within half a league of his enemies greatly was the king rejoiced with what he said and he told him the battle should be on the next day, and said there lacked him but one knight of the hundred. Don Grumadon replied, You are rather above the number, for Beltenebros should be counted for five. When the old man returned with these tidings, Anil took his master aside, and kneeling down said, Albeit, sir, my services have not merited it, yet your great goodness emboldens me to ask a boon and i beseech you for god's sake to grant it me beltenebros raised him and said ask anything that i can do and neil would have kissed his hand sir i ask you to make me a knight and to entreat the king that i may be one of the hundred since one is wanting friend anil replied beltenebros let it not enter your heart to begin so perilously I do not say this because I will not make thee a knight, but to advise thee to undertake lighter adventures first. 
my good master, quoth Enil, where can I adventure so well? If I come from the field alive, it will always be to my praise and honor. And if I die, it will be dying well, and my memory will be joined with all those good knights who must perish there. But then an affectionate pity was felt at the heart of Beltenebros, and he said within himself, Thou dost well show thyself to be of the lineage of Gandales, my excellent and true fosterer. Be it so, said he, and he asked the host to give the squire arms, and Enil watched them that night, and after dawn they heard mass, and Beltenebros knighted him, and they departed, their host and his nephews carrying their arms. They found Lisuarte putting his battle in order to go against the enemies, who were ready in the plain. The king and his knights rejoiced to see Beltenebros. Sir, quoth he, I come to perform my promise, and I bring with me this knight to supply the one lacking. The king joyfully welcomed him, and placed his knight to make up the compliment. Then they moved on in one battalion. The king was in the middle of the rank. Before him Beltenebros and his companion were placed, and Galeor, Florestan, and Agrayes. Gandalac, the giant who had fostered Galeor, and his two sons, Bramandil and Gavus, whom Galeor had knighted, Nicaron of the Perilous Bridge, Dragonis and Palomir, and Pinorante, Giontes, nephew to the king, the renowned Don Bruneo of Bonamar, and his brother Branfil, and Don Guilan the Pensive. All these were together, and before them went that honorable and good old knight Don Grumedan, Brasena's fosterer, with the banner of the king. King Sildadon, on his side, placed the giants in the front of the battle, and twenty knights of his lineage of great valor. He stationed Madanfabu, the giant of the Isle of the Vermilion Tower, upon a little rising ground, and with him ten of the best knights, and directed them not to move till they saw that all were weary, and that then they should make way fiercely towards King Lisuarte, to kill him or carry him prisoner to the ships. In this array the two parties approached with deliberate pace till they came near, and then they met with such a shock that many a man fell, and many a horse ran over the field without a rider. That was a hard and dolorous day for all who were there present, for striking and struggling they continued thus without rest or intermission a third part of the day, with such toil and effort being in the mid-heat of summer, that they and their horses were so wearied, and the wounded bled so fast, that in many life could endure no longer, and there they fell dead, especially those whom the giants had wounded with their great force. In that hour Beltenebros did wonders in arms with that good sword, striking and slaying all before him, though the care with which he kept watch over the king most employed him. For Lisuarte, knowing that the great shame or great glory of the day would be his, thrust himself into the hottest press of the battle, 
Galaor and Florestan and Agrayas kept by him, being emulous to equal Beltenebros that day, and Don Bruneo watched to assist Galaor, who, like a lion, made among the giants, to equal him whom he thought the rival of Amadis, regardless of their great strength, and those whom he saw fall under their blows. In this heat he came before Cartadoc, the giant of the defended mountain, who with a heavy battle-axe, notwithstanding Florestan, had given him a deep wound in the shoulder, had already killed six knights at his feet. Galaor made at him, and with his sword struck him upon the helmet. It cut away all it touched, and lopped off his ear, and passing downward cut the battle-axe held from his hand. When the giant saw his enemy so near, and that he had no weapon to wound him, he laid hold on him with his hands, and plucked him so forcibly that the saddle-girth broke, and he fell, but still the giant held him, and Galaor thought he never could escape from that mighty grasp, and that all his bones were broken. Yet before his senses were gone, he recovered his sword that hung from his wrist by the chain, and thrust it through the visor of Cartadac's helmet. The giant's grip relaxed, and he fell dead. Galaor arose then, but so weak and exhausted, that he could not pluck his sword from the giant's head. The knights on both sides pressed towards him, some to kill him at this disadvantage, his own friends to his help. The battle became fiercer there than it had yet been. King Sildadon came up, and on the other part Beltenebros. Beltenebros twice smote Sildadon on the head such stunning blows that the king fell from his horse at the feet of Galaor. Galaor caught up the sword of Sildadon, and laid about him till his strength and senses were gone and he fell upon the body of King Sildadon. At this time the giants Gondolac and Albadanzor were engaged. They smote each other so furiously with their clubs that they and their horses both fell. Albadanzor's arm was broken, and Gondolac's leg, howbeit he and his sons slew their enemy. The day was now half over, and on the two sides an hundred and twenty knights had been slain. Madanfabul, the giant of the Vermilion Tower, was looking on from the hill. He saw how the field was thinned, that they who remained were weary with their toil, their armor broken, and their horses stiff and exhausted. He thought that he and his companions could now have discomfited all that were left on both sides and descended into the field, crying out, Leave not a man of them alive. I will kill or take King Lisuarte. Beltenebros had just mounted a fresh horse, which one of old Abradon's nephews gave him. He saw the giant and his troop come on, and placed himself before the king, and called on Florestan and Agraeus, who were near. With these Don Bruneo of Bonomar joined, and Branfil, and Guilan the Pensive, and Aeneal, who had done much in that battle, and was therefore always held in high esteem. All these, albeit they were grievously wounded, and their horses also, 
placed themselves before the king before madame Fabule came a knight called sarmadon the lion the uncle of king sildadon and for strength and prowess the best of his lineage beltenebro stood foremost to meet him sarmadon drove his lance at him it broke yet pierced the shield and wounded him though with no deep wound then beltenebros hit him a thwart blow with his sword across the beaver straight over both eyes and through both that he fell dead but madanfabul and his other comrades came on so fiercely that the most of those who were of king lisuarte's part were beaten down before them and he made right for the king with such fresh strength that the knights about the king bravely as they adventured could not protect him he seized lisuarte round the neck and grasped him so strongly that he lost all power of resistance plucked him from the saddle and carried him towards the ships when beltenebros beheld that he exclaimed o lord god let not oriana have this affliction he struck the spurs into his horse and galloped after him sword in hand and reaching him smote at him with his whole force the sword fell on the right arm with which he held the king and cut it clean through by the elbow the weapon stayed not there but passing on cut through the king's breastplate and wounded him so that the blood streamed down lisuarte was left upon the ground and the giant fled like a lost man bleeding to death when beltenebro saw that with one blow he had slain the mighty giant and rescued king lisuarte from so great a danger he shouted out gaul gaul for i am amadis this he cried as he laid on among his enemies felling them or slaying them and in good season did he exert this prowess for great havoc had been made among the knights of his party so many slain others wounded and fighting on foot and the enemies had come fresh against them with great strength and an eager desire to kill all they could for this cause amadis put forth his strength so that it might well be said his great prowess was the safety and support of his party that day but what most kindled him was that he had seen his brother galaor afoot and sore wearied and looking again saw him no longer so that surely he thought him dead and with this grief and anger he encountered no knight whom he did not slay when they of king sildadan's party saw the great feats that he achieved they took for their leader a knight of the race of the giants whose name was Gadan Curiel, and who had made such slaughter that day that he was noted by all. They expected, being led by him, to win the day, and at this time Amadis had thrust in so far among the enemy that he was beset by them and in great peril. King Lisuarte had mounted again, and with him were Don Bruneo of Bonamar and Florestan, and Guilan the Pensive, and Ladasin, and Galvanes Lackland, and Olivas, and old Grumadon, from whose hand the banner had been cut. The king, seeing Amadis in such danger, 
made up to succor him like a worthy king although he had many wounds and all rejoicing that beltenebros was amadis forced their way up to him and released him from the press he then turned whither he would and chance guided him to where his cousin agrias and palomir and draconis were on foot and many knights upon them striving to slay them but they standing together and still defending themselves manfully he seeing them thus called upon his brother florestan and guilan the pensive to their succour there came against him a knight of great renown called vadamigar whose helmet had been struck off he wounded the horse of amadis in the neck but amadis reached him and cleft him down to the ears and as he fell cried out cousin agrayes take this horse and florestan struck down a good knight called daniel and gave his horse to palomir and palomir then won one for dragonis and guilan wounded landin sorely and unhorsed him and gave his horse to branfil thus they were all helped and then they followed in the path of amadis who went on cutting his way manfully and shouting gaul gaul amadis that the enemy might know he was in the field such courage did he then display and so well did florestan and agrayes and those other knights second him and king lisuarte also played his part so well that they won the battle the enemies who survived flying to their ships and amadis still among them raging for the death of galaor but gadancuriel still made head with those whom he could turn from flight and he turned upon the king florestan who had seen his feats that day thrust himself before lisuarte to save him though he had only a broken sword gadancuriel cut through the helmet and wounded him in the head he with his broken sword smote him on the helmet so that it fell off and then lisuarte cleft his head there was none other left to maintain the field they who fled perished before they could reach the water or in the water before they could reach their ships then amadis cried to florestan and agrayes weeping as he spake good kinsmen i fear we have lost don galaor let us seek for him they went to the spot where amadis had smitten down king sildadan and seen his brother last on foot but so many were the dead who lay there that they saw him not till as they moved away the bodies florestan knew him by the sleeve of his surcoat which was of azure worked with silver flowers and then they made a great moan over him but when amadis saw him thus with exceeding grief he threw himself from his horse and his wounds over which the blood had clotted burst open with the fall and bled abundantly and he laying aside his shield and helm that were all hacked and bruised went to galaor and took off his helmet and took his head upon his knees galaor at the fresh air began to move a little and they all gathered round him weeping to see him thus while they were thus standing 
twelve damsels richly apparelled came up and some squires with them who brought a bed covered with rich drapery the damsels knelt before amadis and said sir we are come hither for don galaor if you would have him live give him to us if not all the masters in great britain cannot help him amadis knew not the damsels and he saw the great danger of galaor and could not tell what to do but those knights advised him to trust his brother to this fortune rather than see him die without any possibility of saving him good damsels said amadis may i know whither you would carry him they answered not as yet but if you desire his life give him to us else we must go our way then amadis besought that they would take him also this they refused but at his request they suffered ardian the dwarf and his squire to follow them then they laid him in the bed armed as he was all except his helmet and gauntlets and half dead and amadis and the knights followed them weeping to the shore a ship was ready there in which the damsels placed him and then returned and went to king lisuarte and besought him that he would be pleased to give them king sildadan also who lay among the dead bidding him remember that he was a good king and had suffered this evil in doing what he was bound to do and they prayed the king to have pity upon him that he might look for pity himself in his need lisuarte readily assented they took up sildadan more dead than alive and carried him in the same bed on board then made sail and were speedily out of sight meanwhile lisuarte had secured the enemy's fleet that nothing might escape taking prisoners all who were not slain in battle he now came up to amadis and the knights that were weeping with him and when he heard their lamentation was for the loss of galaor he was grieved at heart for galaor had faithfully and affectionately served him from the hour wherein he became his knight then he dismounted his armour being all stained with blood and embraced amadis and bade him take comfort for god would not suffer such a man as his brother to perish they all then went to the tent of king sildadan and there took food and he ordered that all the knights who had fallen on his side should be buried in a monastery that was at the foot of a near mountain and he ordered the due service for their souls and assigned rents for masses for them moreover he ordered a stately chapel to be built there and rich monuments therein for them and that their names should all be engraved upon their tombs messengers were sent to inform queen brasena of his good fortune and he and his knights then went to ganota a town four leagues off and there they remained till their wounds were healed while this battle was expected queen briolania went to visit oriana at miraflores oriana had her apartments hung with rich hangings to receive a guest whom she so greatly desired to see when they met 
both were somewhat abashed, for neither the proof of the enchanted arch nor of the green sword could keep Oriana's heart so calm, but that it beat fast with fear, thinking that no affection, how true soever, could resist such beauty as she saw before her. And Briolania, who had seen the tears and thoughtfulness of Amadis, and knew what proof of love he had given at the firm island, presently concluded it could be only for this princess, before whom she felt her own beauty even as nothing. So as they were freely communing together, Briolania related at length all that Amadis had done for her, and said how in her heart she loved him. Oriana, then, willing to learn farther, asked her why, as they were of equal rank, and she at her own disposal, she did not make him master of herself and her own dominions. Friend and lady, replied Briolania, much as you have seen him, I think you know him not. Do you not believe I should think myself the happiest woman in the world if this could be? But you shall know all, and keep it, I pray you, secret, as one like you should do. I ventured upon this proposal, and it shames me whenever I remember it. But he replied that he could neither bear affection to me nor to any other, the which I then believed, for unlike all other knights I never heard him speak of woman. You tell me wonders, quoth Oriana, glad at heart of what she heard. But unless Amadis loved some one, he could not have passed under the arch of true lovers, which yet showed him more honor than ever any other had received. He may love, replied Briolania, but in his love he is the most secret that ever yet knight was. Briolania remained ten days with Oriana, and then they both went to join Queen Brasena at Venusa a town where she was waiting for Lisuarte. Greatly rejoiced was she to see her daughter so recovered. There the tidings came of the victory. For joy whereat, Brisena gave great alms to the churches and convents, and to those who were in want. But who can tell what joy there was to hear that Beltenebros was Amadis, what think you now of Amadis, quoth Briolania to Oriana, who affected the same surprise as the rest? I was in doubt whether he or Beltenebros most deserved my love. Queen and lady, replied Oriana, we will ask him when he comes, wherefore he changed his name, and who the damsel is that won the garland of flowers. End of chapter 16